0: Welcome to the show. I am your host, Scott Wurzbacher. Today, we are going to talk about the inner adventure of searching yourself through the practice of transcendental meditation. Most of our podcast episodes are stories of people's experiences connecting with nature and the physical world around us. But our guest today is going to show us how there's an adventure within that we can discover through exploration. We have with us, Heather Evans, CEO and founder of Pivot Coaching in Los Angeles, California, a coaching company focused on developing self-aware, conscious, mindful, and evolved leaders across all generations. Her learning program fused together a 20-year career in corporate communications with a background in psychology and neurobiology to offer a unique blend of empowering workshops, learning programs, group, and individual coaching for professionals. Heather's honored to be a member of Harvard's Institute of Coaching and has been featured in numerous articles sharing her experience in resilience, workforce well-being, and emotional intelligence. She was also named Washington PR Woman of the Year and has served young professionals, fellow entrepreneurs, and women and children's causes for decades. Above all, She's a proud mother of two young adult daughters who have been her inspiration and drive to create a better world. Now, as I got to know Heather, I learned that she grew up in a family that was closely connected to the world of transcendental meditation. That affiliation included travel adventures to countries all over the world. But what she discovered through the physical travel and the meditation technique she learned in the process was that there's a whole other world to be explored, and that's the inner world. And today, we're going to go inside and explore that world that exists within. Heather, my friend, welcome to the campfire.
1: I am so glad to be here. (laughs)
0: I am so excited to have you. I shared with you, you and I have known each other for a couple of years now, but I shared with you um, just last week that I was having a conversation with another one of our podcast guests, Matt uh, DeSantis, and he was sharing with me about how the Explorers Club in Bhutan has actually inducted a new member into the club related to the exploration of the inner world. And that's a new thing for the Explorers Club, but it's such a cool thing because truly there is an adventure inside of us. And I'm so excited to just go deeper with you on that. I just, I I can't wait to hear this story.
1: It's such a fun conversation, and as we get into it, I'll tell you why it's pretty funny that I'm actually having this conversation of all the conversations that could be had just given my history. It's pretty funny.
0: I love it. So if we can, um, I would love to just start with just quick overview of you, career, you know, just family, whatever you'd like to share with listeners just to kind of set the context for, for who you are.
1: Well, you did such a great job <laughs> on giving that summary of my background. But yeah, I'm a leadership coach. I come from a long history of focusing on communication, specifically strategic communications that are really about how organizations communicate with their target publics and how individuals can communicate better with one another. And ultimately, the journey of that career took me to where I am now, which is adding those elements to how do we communicate in our inner conversation Mm -hmm. and how does that affect us in general, right? Our thoughts, our actions, um, how those are all linked. And so that is where it led me down the path of leadership coaching and really looking at personal growth and how it affects all aspects of our lives.
0: That's great. So, so um, the technique that we're specifically going to talk about today is transcendental meditation. I think, I wonder if we could just spend a minute just to kind of like start broad and then bring it in. Can we just talk about for, for folks that aren't um, practiced in meditation, can we just kind of just do a high level, like what is meditation and then kind of dive a little bit deeper into what is transcendental meditation in,
1: in particular? Yeah, it's a good question because there's a lot more awareness now about the mm-hmm. value of, you know, mindfulness practices mm-hmm. and other forms of meditation. So really it's very simple. There are three different kinds of meditation. There is concentration which brings the gamma brain uh, our brain waves into gamma which is the metric is 20 to 50 hertz. So your brain wave can settle um, and those waves, though, are in a place of concentration. The second kind of meditation we do, we can do, is a guided meditation that settles the mind even more. And we, the brain waves go into theta, which is a four to eight hertz metric. Okay. So even more calm. And then there's transcendental meditation. So just looking at our biophysiology, what happens is with transcendental meditation the brain waves go into alpha so it's an eight to ten hertz metric and why that's important is is it's distinctive it's different than concentration and it's different than guided meditation and it's a very specific response of our brain that was actually developed and named by a professor at UCLA Dr. Robert Keith Wallace. Um, and he, his research showed that when you bring the brain into that transcendental state, that alpha brainwave state, unique things happen in the physiology. And it's actually a state that unlike any other form of meditation allows the stress in the body to actually be released.
0: Wow. So when, when did, transcendental meditation first become a thing?
1: You know, I mean, it has a long history. We'd have yeah. to say, you know, it came from um, the ancient wisdom in the mm-hmm. Himalayas. Mm-hmm. Um, it it spread to the West largely through the teaching and intention of Maharishi Mahesh who mm-hmm. was actually a physicist, a scientist. And um, he was studying in the Himalayas with a guru and started to become more and more concerned about the world as he looked out at what was happening with stress levels and, um, you know, all kinds of mental health concerns, countries not getting along, right? All these different from the individual all the way up through looking at global ways that we're relating to one another that come from deep-rooted stress and cause all kinds of fragmentation in in society, right? in neighborhoods, in families, and with countries. So he brought this teaching of a unique way to de-stress to the West um, and became largely popular in the 60s and then grew from there. Um, he's, you know, he spread his teachings all over Europe, all over the world, really. It's international now. Um, and I do want to make note, too, you know, he, he would have said this as well. All forms of meditation have value. You know, mindfulness practices, concentration techniques, uh, guided meditation all have tons of value. We're just talking today about what makes the Transcendental Meditation Technique unique and why that is significant.
0: Right. Right. And so just to kind of like summarize a couple things that you said, I mean, really it's a tool for de-stressing, right?
1: Absolutely. It is.
0: And, And so you mentioned stress, mental health, conflict between nations. I mean, a lot of things that were going on in the sixties that you said, like, this is kind of when it was really starting to, to take hold. Uh, it sounds pretty relevant today too, Heather.
1: <laughs> isn't that true? It's like stress and fatigue are, are quite like, this is the challenge of our time, isn't it? I yeah. think it's the challenge of the human condition, you know, stress and fatigue compromises brain functionality. Mm-hmm. So it compromises, therefore, physical health, psychological health, and cognition. Mm-hmm. So stress and fatigue really ultimately compromise our focus, our behavior, our relationships, um, teamwork, performance. So it is worth us taking a deep look at what's happening in our personal lives and what's happening that emanates out from that that's related to you know stress and fatigue. And if you remove that or had a way to do that, how much better your life would be.
0: Yeah. Hey everyone, it's Scott here. Did you know that the members of my real estate team, W Realty Group, are listening to their own voices that call to adventure by setting big goals. Some of those goals include planning trips to Bali and the kingdom of Bhutan, buying investment homes and running the Chicago Marathon. At W Realty Group, we support and encourage these big goals and want to help turn them into reality. We're currently looking to add new members to the team. If you know a great real estate agent in the Charlotte, North Carolina area that would benefit from being part of our team, please send a text, an email, or give me a call. And know that when you support W Realty Group, you're also supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening. A hundred percent. And so you know, you grew up in this, um, <laughs> you, you grew up around, it's a tool really, but we, we can call it a movement, but it's a tool and yeah. it's very helpful. I mean, so my wife and I, um, you actually introduced me to it, um, a little, probably about two years ago. And my wife and I have actually been practicing transcendental meditation now for about two years. And it's, it's a very, very helpful technique to, de-stress, to stay calm, to kind of, you know, to, to learn how to better manage stresses, you know, uh, unnecessary thinking, unnecessary thoughts. It's a very, very helpful technique and it's worked for my wife and I, and I just felt really compelled. I'm so glad that you're here to share this because you have such a broad perspective of this technique because it's it's kind of been it's pervaded your entire life, and so I think before we jump into your story, um, and, and your journey with this whole thing, I would love if we can just kind of talk about a couple of the myths that are associated with transcendental meditation because. I guess for starters, it was something that was super popular or, you know, became popularized in the sixties with the Beatles and, you know, the hippie movement. And, you know, I think a lot of people when they hear transcendental meditation, that's probably where their minds go. So to me, like, that's sort of myth slash stigma number one. And I just wonder if you could kind of speak to that a little bit.
1: Um, Yeah. So it's an interesting stigma, right? You know, I mean the TM, Practice, As you said, it's a technique, it's a technology. It's a technology for uh, raising our consciousness. And, you know, anything other than that is, is, um, you know, story, myth, things happen. Um you know that sometimes you wonder, like, wow, it's it's like that game of telephone, right? <laughs> that like changes everything. You know, yeah. one message goes out here, and then it goes. You know, the yeah. other side is exactly. completely different. But, you know, ultimately, um, Maharishi's intention was to share a technology for alleviating stress. Why? Yes, health benefits. But actually, what happens when you alleviate stress is you expand your consciousness. So without consciousness there's nothing right. It's primary. You can't hear, you can't feel love, you can't, um, assess your own presence. Your experience of reality is your experience of consciousness. Um, and therefore in a sense, consciousness is a reality. So our state of consciousness is everything. In fact, um, One of the doctors that studied at length with Maharishi is, uh, his name is Dr. Tony Nader. He recently... Mm -hmm wrote a book called One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness. He's really the foremost expert of our time on the study of consciousness. And he explains that there are really kind of these two aspects of consciousness. There are two parts, if you will, right? There's the physical, which is limited to our five senses and how we experience that reality. And then there's the non-physical, that's beyond our senses. And that is the part that gets developed when we'll both get developed, but um, it is the inner exploration of, of the meditation practice is about fine tuning our, our ability to access that part of ourselves, that mm-hmm. peaceful inner unchanging part of our consciousness. So it's pretty foundational, right? Cause consciousness is primary. So developing it gives us a sense of living, um, a meaning of life, um, really accessing our full potential. And it's really our greatest effectiveness in anything that we do. It's at the root of what the great philosophers and thinkers throughout all the ages have explored actually.
0: Yes. Um, and, and so you talked about stress, mental health, conflict, those things, right?
1: Yeah, and it's because
0: totally. we're accessing that peaceful inner unchanging part of ourselves that's and that's it that's that's it
1: yeah and it's so funny so to think of it as anything other than what it is which is you know a way to develop our consciousness and how do we do that we reduce stress because stress blocks our consciousness from naturally raising itself there's nothing we need to do to our consciousness we are made absolutely perfectly it's the stress of life the stresses we put on ourselves with our interpretation of events our, our the way our thinking might you know be interpreting events the meaning we give things our perception that's what reduces our consciousness yeah. so it's it's imperative that we have some technique a technology that allows us to de-stress so that our consciousness can be at its full potential yeah
0: and this is somebody, something for all people, right? I mean, this isn't, this isn't like a religious specific technique.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not. Um, and it, it's so interesting. Again, you know, anyone can make, I suppose, a religious uh, experience out of anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people would consider sports a re- their religion. <laughs> so, you know, we can do that with anything. But yeah, I mean, what, what TM is, what transcendental meditation is, is a technology for de-stressing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about how you got started, Heather. Can you take us back? Because you were you were essentially born into this into this technique, this sort of way of life. And I would just love if you could kind of take us on that journey and bring us back.
1: So it's a funny story, and this is why I find it so, in a sense, ironic that we're having this conversation today, because, yes, I was born into it. So my parents um, were Westerners, you know, living in California, Uh, and learned of Maharishi and his teaching Mm -hmm. and were very interested in the idea of um, sustainable raising of consciousness. And, you know, how do we do that in ways that aren't drug-induced or it's not an altered state that comes and goes, something that's sustained and and life-affirming. And so, you know, they... They studied with him and and traveled with him for the first about five or six years of my life. So I was raised um, hanging out with Maharishi, which is so funny. Oh, cool. (laughs) Most people don't have that experience. So we traveled all over the world, bringing this knowledge of holistic health in general and the Transcendental Meditation Technique. Um, as, a, as a part of really looking at nutrition and health and the body and what, what are the ways that we can live to our full potential. So we traveled, um, we lived in Switzerland, in, in France, in uh, all over Europe, and um, even my youngest sister was born in a little chateau in switzerland so kind of an interesting upbringing i have a story that i can't remember but i get told the story that um, you know thousands of people would come to hear maharishi's lectures over time there was quite a great uprising in um in consciousness and Mm -hmm. in uh, and a big demand in the world at that time and i'm now in the 70s for you know this idea that we could live better, that we could have a better experience, that we could have more peace and more happiness. Mm -hmm. And How do we do that individually and collectively? So thousands would come when he spoke from all over anywhere we were in the world. And as the crowd drew at one particular lecture, everyone was waiting for him to come out and take the stage. And they were waiting and the crowds are getting impatient and they, you know, like, where is he? When's he going to come out? And suddenly a side door right off the stage opens and out he walks. And I walk with him kind of holding onto his robes at the and <laughs> so culturally he wore a dhoti yeah. that was very appropriate for that time and his culture. And, you know, just walking out just like it was just another, oh, who's come to see us? Thousands <laughs> of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, interesting journey. But the truth is that it was just TM was always there. Yeah. I learned when I I got my first little technique that they give to children called a walking technique. Okay. And at ten years old, so I learned at three, age three, and then at ten you get a sit down technique, mm-hmm. which is a little different. And. Um, The truth is that I meditated as a part of our family practice, but Mm -hmm. in my teens, like all good teenagers, I rebelled some. It was like, that's my parents thing and I don't want to do it. And, and it really was true that most of my twenties and thirties, I kind of went in and out of regular practice and I saw it mostly as like this healthy thing That I probably should do if I have time, kind of like going to the gym, (laughs) or any other health practice. Yeah, Yeah. the habit,
0: right? It's building a habit.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't until my forties that I would say I really reclaimed the practice, really made it my own, and looked at the research and looked at you know what is this thing called TM, Um, and you know why is it that for fifty years. You know, the largest institutions for the study of really human health from the National Institutes of Health to Yale Medicine, Stanford, Harvard, they've all studied and published over 700 uh, research studies now on the Transcendental Meditation Technique. Like, Why is that? What is this about? What's this big curiosity? Because it was just always there for me i didn't really realize what a gift that was and so it wasn't till then um yeah in my 40s that i started to look at what is this thing consciousness and what is this practice and this technology that's available for really expanding our consciousness and why is that important
0: yeah yeah and um so specifically for you 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 had uh, an awakening
1: I did, you know, in in Joseph Campbell's work, the hero's journey, yes. which is of course, you know, love a huge, it. yeah, something we we know and love, and and I know is inspiration to you. Um, it it is the, you know, our our life is a grand adventure, mm-hmm. and as Joseph Campbell talked about, we get many times all throughout life it's like the series of hero journeys mm-hmm. and uh and the first part of that journey is to be kicked out of normal and really take a look at wow there's a call in this to adventure of some kind yep. so mine was a pretty big kicked out of normal experience that i had at age 42 i was uh i was walking across my kitchen when my phone rang And I had just moved to Southern California, even though I was born and raised here, I'd spent like 18 years living in other places. Mm -hmm. And um, I picked up the phone and I noticed it was a a local LA number. And I was like, oh my goodness, who is this? And realized quickly that it was my doctor actually calling and uh, letting me know that I had breast cancer. And it was such a, it was Valentine's day, 2013. Oh. And I remembered being in such shock and disbelief. It was such a drastic kicked out of normal experience. Yeah. But later I saw that it was also a call to quite a grand adventure. Um, and I, as a part of that really reclaimed a lot of health practices and my TM practice was one of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I, I really I'm anxious for listeners for you to kind of get into that, this, this awakening and then what sort of unfolded afterwards, but then sort of the tie back to everything that you'd been doing up to that point without even realizing how it was all going to connect together
1: it's so funny right we don't know <laughs> these things until after that's right? kind of the adventure right yeah we just don't know i mean at the time it was completely disorienting right now i like to say on valentine's day 2013 i got a call from love and it was a call for greater self-love which is an inner adventure and so that's when it really began for me. You know, Maharishi had this saying. He, he explained that life is best lived at 200%, mm-hmm. which is 100% in the outer world right? Where things are constantly changing and it's dynamic and it's all the things, our careers and our, you know, our families and our, our stuff and our goals and all of that. And that is beautiful. And there's a hundred percent of the inner life, right? Our peace of mind the way that we talk to ourselves, our perception, our interpretation of reality, our experience there, and and how we can claim more dominion over our beautiful minds. And so when you're living at 200%, that brings the most fulfilling life. It is you at your fullest potential. All the inner peace and all the, the outer expression And um, so for me, that call was to recognize um, the journey without distance, which actually is a phrase from A Course in Miracles. I'm I'm a student Mm. of the course. And that journey without distance is the inner adventure. So I had at the time that I got that phone call that kicked me out of normal, I had an incredible 100% out here. I had an active career. I, you know, was married to someone who also had an extremely active career, two beautiful kids, you know, the house, the cars, the, you know, that all of those things that were the goals that we had for ourselves. Mm-hmm. What I didn't understand is that the 100% of my inner life, I was probably at like 20% of that life, you know, it was a very high stress environment that I'd created for myself and a very low priority on what my inner environment looked like. So when I got the call, it just stopped my life. And I started looking around going, wait, you have to be kidding me. Like, I'm very physically fit. You know, I I have a reference point for uh, a spiritual life. Um, some connection to my own spirit is really what that is—a uh, sense of awe about life, a connection to a higher purpose uh, outside of myself. I have that, um, you know. And what what else is there? Is our mental and emotional environment. So those are the three kind of aspects where any practice that's unhealthy can build up toxins and create disease in the body. So it really was an invitation to be like, okay, I've got these, this, these other categories taken care of. What is this mental emotional sphere that, that where I might have an inner life that is far too stressful for my immune system not to be weakened by? Yes. And what are the choices I can make to really shift that. So it was a huge awakening for me. It led me down a path of so many beautiful authors and wonderful books. The work of Wayne Dyer, of Carolyn Mace, uh, of Robert Holden, uh, of David Hawkins, Um, just on and on goes that list. And also a master's in spiritual psychology and really looking at what is this 200% of life thing? What's the inner adventure? How do I get to 100% of my of true expression of my inner life? And a big part of that needs to be, let me look at all of the steady states of dis-ease that I'm practicing that have resulted in disease or at least the possibility of it.
0: Wow. So what, so what did you find in that study?
1: Well, what I found is there was so much going on in my relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, so much less forgiveness, compassion, uh, and love. I was really good at expressing that outside of myself to the people in my life. But inside was an inner critic and um, an internalizing of a lot of stressors that, um, that really needed to shift. There was so much limited thinking, so much judgment that was just on this constant kind of repeat. I had a commentary about everyone and everything going on all the time. How can you ever have peace? When your conversation is an inner rant that's just on repeat. So that was one of the big um, shifts that I made was taking a look at my inner critic and really a foundational principle Mm -hmm. of what I learned in that process was how to be, um, how to shift that thinking to recognize the power of self love, self acceptance, and self forgiveness.
0: Yeah. So you had this whole, like, this, 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 you were thrown out of normal. You had this sort of inner call to adventure. But I remember talking with you last week about how, like, you had this whole experience from age three until your 40s where you were living in this, you know, you had these tools available to you and you were practicing them, but not. Not 100%, and then all of a sudden, this awakening happens, and now all of a sudden, the the transcendental meditation technique that you've been practicing your whole life, all of a sudden takes on this whole new meaning, and I would just love for you to just, if you could get into that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, the funny thing about it was I started looking at all of the practices that Mm -hmm. we can do, right? Right. I looked at the teachings, the wisdom teachings, the great wisdom teachings of our time beyond religion into really spiritual philosophies. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I read, I studied, I inquired, I, uh, and then I started looking at what are those practices and how do I embrace the practices I already have in a new way? So that's when I rediscovered the power of transcendental meditation. And just because simply I became more regular. Yeah, you know, 20 minutes, twice a day. Twice a day. That's what right. Maharishi recommended yeah. in mm-hmm. his in his bringing of this teaching. And, you know, initially that honestly just sounds like, I don't know, it's like so much, how could right, I, right. you know? But, but the truth is that it's a very effortless technique. And what happens in that practice of such an effortless technique, that's one of the other ways that it is um, distinctive from a concentration form of meditation or even a guided meditation, it's even more effortless. And the practice of effortlessness, 20 minutes twice a day, what it brings out in your outer expression of your life, it's almost like, I don't know what else to call it, except more grace more synchronicities, more effortlessness. So it's like for those 40 minutes in total daily, I probably saved three hours of time where I was efforting. Everything was full of effort, trying to make it happen, trying to, you know, uh, controlling patterns and trying to just really accomplish more with less and, you know, all of those kinds of things that we do to ourselves when we look at success as this outer expression only.
0: Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a great story that I love and I've actually mentioned this to a couple of people recently. So this is not TM specific, but, and I don't know who to credit this, but there was a Zen master at one point that said, everyone should meditate for 30 minutes a day, unless you don't have time, in which case an hour is required. (laughs)
1: Right? It's so good.
0: Think about that for a minute, but it's so true. (laughs) You can't make 30 minutes. You better make an hour.
1: (laughs) It's it's so true. And and so it seems contrary. Yeah. And certainly to Western thinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, I just invite people to experiment with that idea Mm -hmm. and see for yourself. Because what I discovered when I became willing to just conduct little experiments in my life about how I could invite more grace and more ease and more peace and more settled mind is that there was a whole different way of relating and being in the world that, that really was about more peaceful practices that bring more peace to our outer expression. And Mm -hmm. it's hard sometimes, I think, to even describe that inner journey and the value of it, unless you conduct these little experiments and try for yourself. You know, I mean, just a few minutes of journaling in, in a gratitude journal, five minutes. Yeah. you know for two weeks what happens pay attention these are the little practices that i started to slowly but surely unpack and experiment with more and more and then bring into my work in the world because i realized wow no one really teaches us this you know we get raised on you know go out make it happen be successful and uh, you know make money and all of that is is fantastic and rightly so to have all the outer signs of success what we're not taught is let's also live the other hundred percent of our life so that when we're having all of that success we can we feel successful yeah
0: so what what happens i mean in this in this inner practice and we call it a practice because it is it's practice you know, it's not, it's not a thing that you go do for the thing. It's, it's a practice, right? So what happens in that practice that, that helps you to have that inner adventure, to, that, that inner exploration?
1: So the most important thing that happens is that we get out of our own way. Mm. So we already, in our inner environment, don't need to change anything. Peacefulness is already there. Joy is already there. Appreciation, generosity, kindness, compassion, those are the expressions of our soul. It's who we actually are at our essential nature. The practice of TM is really about removing the barriers to our greater awareness of that. Mm-hmm. So what happens in the inner environment is when you practice, and I'm not a TM teacher, there are right. TM teachers, so right. that's a very specific thing. And, and you must go through quite extensive training. So I'm a practitioner, I'm I'm a, a benefactor of this beautiful technique. Right. But what happens is, is the mind settles and settles and settles into a state where you reach an awareness of, of pure consciousness. So that is the busyness of the mind is now, you've sunk below it, right? Below thought to a place where there's just pure being. So we all know what that is. We just don't often access it. And the benefits of being in that pure state of being is that each time we come out of meditation then and back into the activity of our lives is we bring some more of that pure being with us. So we remove the barriers to the full awareness of, uh, of our pure being or our soul, our essential goodness that gets so bogged down by life. You know, a perfect example is actually a story that Maharishi used to tell. And I remember this from my childhood. He said, you can think of yourself like a light bulb that's always on. And, you know, life events and conditioning and stressors and responsibilities and all of that, they, they kind of cloud and, and dirty that, that light bulb. So, you know, maybe by, for instance, for me, by my forties, you couldn't even tell that light bulb was on. Not really. I had all the outer things that might look like, wow, she has a really successful life. But on, in the inner environment, I was stressed constantly. I was totally exhausted. I was overwhelmed. I was resentful of people, a lot of people in my life. I was in an unhappy marriage. I could go on and on. Yeah. Um, and, and the only one who can fix that is us. Yeah, I'm the only one who can fix that. No one can do that for me. So, you know, this, this practice is about recognizing that what Maharishi used to say is that every time you dip down into that state of pure being, of pure consciousness, below all the activity of the mind and all of the thought in a very effortless way you clean another layer off that light bulb. Mm-hmm. And eventually you start to, every time you meditate, right? We're doing this, we're doing this. Suddenly you start to see that the light is breaking through any of the darkness. Yes.
0: And I love this so much. And, that, and then you just come back to the, this idea of practice, you know, for TM twice a day, 20 minutes a day, right? And The thing about it is is that when we practice anything we get better it's why we practice right the thing that we're practicing gets easier and we get better at it and that's why we do it and so for anybody that might be thinking like this sounds intimidating this isn't something that i can do like this is the whole point of practice so that we can get better at it so breakthrough awakening knocked out a normal at 42 rediscovered this whole thing really went all in on it. Like what has happened since then? And how have you changed since that experience at age 42?
1: Oh my goodness. So it's been nine years, almost 10, 10 in, uh, yeah, 20, February, 2023. There isn't an aspect of my life that hasn't changed for the better. Uh, quite a bit of change I would say this was kicked out of normal and per Joseph Campbell's work um, in which he really so beautifully demonstrates what this human experience is this hero journey of life you know kicked out of normal the call to adventure begins and I depart into oh my goodness right let's get out of health crisis so went through that journey Um,
0: and then we should pause there for a second, because I was just thinking to myself, like, yes, you had this sort of awakening where you're kicked out of normal and you had this, you know, 40 year background of like TM, you'd already been practicing it, but that doesn't mean like, you know, you had the awakening and then all of a sudden just jumped right back into TM and everything got better. Like there were fears, struggles, doubts, and things I'm sure that happened as part of that process.
1: Oh, sure. So there's the road of trials, right? Just yeah. looking at that hero journey. It, you know, you will be kicked out of normal. If you say yes to the adventure, then you will hit the road of trials before mm. you ultimately um, make your return back home, you know, back to the original place. That's the the journey without distance, however, right? Because I haven't really gone anywhere and yet I've completely changed. So um, my inner world is at 100%. And that was a big journey. That was a big, long journey. It included so many um, walks through fear, right? So the first one is, am I going to die? That's a big question. We don't always get that particular question, Um, but but many people do. And unfortunately, a lot of women. Breast cancer is still one of the biggest... Um, health crises of our time in women's health. And um, so, yeah, taking a look at that, and then making the decision that that's not going to be my story. and going through the uh, the choice of what that looked like for me, which was western treatment. Um, it included surgery and chemo and radiation. And uh, four months of chemo, 28 doses of radiation. And, and then looking at what are the Eastern modalities that I want to use to support myself through this process. And then after it was all over, that part of, we might say, you know, that particular battle, it was, okay, how do I detox my physical body? And, and a burning question for me on this path was, what is it to be healthy anyway then? Cause I thought I had it all figured out.
0: Yeah.
1: And so um, that burning question, what is health then? Led me to what is emotional health? And how do we learn that? How, how do I teach this to my daughters who were seven and 12 at the time? How i thought I thought I had it figured out, which means I have a lot more to learn. <laughs> and uh, and that is a really uncomfortable place to be. And it is the only place that will allow you to access the fertile ground of what is next for you.
0: Well, I think the, the great thing, and you know, I'm in a similar place with, with young daughters um, is that you've gone through this experience. You found this technique, you practiced this technique that's helped you through this whole journey and now you've gifted it to them and now it's their turn because they've got to discover that hundred percent inner themselves. Right. Yeah, um, and so you've, you've given them that and you're modeling it yourself. So, you know, you're modeling that they, they see it and, you know, the next step is up to them, but you've given them the tool that they need. Heather, this is amazing. And I'm so thankful for you uh, sharing your story. I, I am curious if there's people that have been touched by your story or if they're interested in meditation, transcendental meditation, what advice would you have for people that have maybe heard some of this, but are interested in kind of diving a little bit deeper. What, what, what suggestions would you have for people in terms of getting started on really discovering that inner
1: 100%? So I would direct them to tm.org. Again, okay. it, it's practice that I stand by, but I think it's really important that all of us really check in for ourselves. So on that website, right on the home page. Um, you can read the research yourself uh, and get a lot of questions asked. Uh, You could be directed to um, a teacher if you wanted to start or an introductory meeting where they give you kind of an overview of what this is and, and teach you more about that. So all of that's available on the website. So I'd say explore that. And then if you're really interested in an inner journey, I think there's no better way than, um, than working with a coach. Now I am a coach, so I have that bias, but here's why I say it and finding the right coach for you is really important too. Here's why I say it. I think we take this journey together, Scott. Yeah. You know, whether it's, um, you know, in small communities, um, or, you know, with, within our social groups or really looking for something outside of that, to give us a little different perspective and to create learning communities of our own. You were not taught this in school. This is truly something, the idea of this is your consciousness, you're in charge of it. And it is the key to your most full life expression. So there's no better adventure than Deciding on your own that you're going to expand your consciousness to reach what is possible for you in a whole new way, and I think we do that in community.
0: I think so too, and I think that with the coaching piece, I mean, so a lot of a lot of what happens through this process of meditation and life in general is we're taking like you know, unconscious parts of ourselves and bringing them to our awareness. And like, to your point, when you're working with a coach, a lot of times a coach can see things that you don't see. Like we have blind spots and a lot of times a good coach can help bring that out of you. So I'm glad you brought that point up. I think that that meditation is is definitely a tool. And I think to your point, like working with a community and and being surrounded by people that can help you to bring some of those things out. And of course, you're going to help others to do the same. So I think, I think those are both really great points. So we need to finish today with the two questions that I ask everybody that comes on here. And it has to do with Hollywood, right? Because you've got had this epic adventure. And at some point, Hollywood's going to make a movie about your life. But before we do that, because we always talk about Hollywood actors, TM is kind of a popular thing in, in Hollywood, right? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of celebrities that practice TM.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. George Lucas, Clint Eastwood, Jerry Seinfeld, Martin Scorsese have apparently, right, were meditating for decades. Um, It really influenced um, their filmmaking. And um, they've been pretty public about the benefits that they've experienced And, and I get that why it would be in the entertainment sector where there's even more early adoption, because when we settle our mind through that technique, what comes online is we kind of reduce the survival mechanism and expand our access to the frontal cortex of the brain, which is our creative thinking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I can't get, I can't let this podcast finish. You mentioned George Lucas as a TM (laughs) practitioner and I just, you know, I'm a huge Star Wars geek. It was the first movie that I saw when I was a child and I've like followed the entire journey all the way through all the movies. And the first time I watched a video with Maharishi, I mean, I just like immediate, I was like, that's Yoda. (laughs) He is Yoda. And I brought this up to my TM instructor, the person that first taught me TM. And he said, oh yeah, Maharishi was the inspiration for Yoda. And it makes sense if George Lucas. So I encourage anybody, go check out a video of Maharishi if you're a Star Wars fan. I can't confirm that, but it was just something when I first saw Maharishi, I said, that is Yoda. And oh my goodness gracious. I. So, so cool. Got to check that out. So Heather, with that, when they make this movie about you, we want to know who is going to be the Hollywood actress that's going to play you in your movie.
1: Jennifer Aniston.
0: Yeah, perfect. Yes, I love that. What a great choice.
1: Right. For better or worse, I've gotten that my whole life. Okay. Um, Yeah. Oh, you look like Jennifer Aniston. Or (laughs) oddly enough, just the name Jennifer. You know, if someone forgets my name, nine times out of 10, it, they're going to say, was it Jennifer? It's <laughs> <laughs> so weird, but true.
0: <laughs> I love it. I a Jennifer right.
1: five or something. <laughs> All right.
0: So what's your movie going to be called?
1: I would say 200% of life. I would hope. Yeah. I would I hope.
0: It. I love that. 200% of life starring Jennifer Aniston.
1: <laughs> Why not?
0: This is So perfect. This has been so much fun. And for those of you listening, I hope that you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope that Heather's story has encouraged you to listen to that voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or you need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside or in the case of today's episode, go deeper inside yourself. Thanks for listening, Heather. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Scott.